0: Hi there, my name is Kyle and welcome to Tech Down Under. I've always been curious as to how these massive tech companies over in Silicon Valley have been able to disrupt so many industries. So much so that I thought it was about time that I learnt how to build my own technology. I've had a few ideas rattling around the last few years, but I just don't know where to start. So I've called upon the experts, some of Australia's most innovative minds, to pick their brains and find out how to go about it. This is Tech Down Under.
1: For us, we never thought we'd be in charge of a technology company when we started this thing as well. So it's a journey for everyone. That's Shannon Gov,
0: the co-founder of Event Workforce Group. You'll hear more from Shannon in just a few moments. In today's episode of Tech Down Under, we'll be discussing Event Workforce Group's technology product, Rostify, which is being used at some of the world's largest events, including the Super Bowl. Yep, the Super Bowl, the Rugby League World Cup, Netball World Cup, and Tough Mudder, just to name a few. A couple of others who have been instrumental in the rapid growth of Rostify also join in today's conversation. They include Amy Cornish, who is the digital project manager, and Kariah White, who is the client success manager. To get ourselves in the mood to talk all things technology and software, we decided to crack open a few energy drinks because that's what all the developers are doing in Silicon Valley, right? So sit back, relax, enjoy the chat, and hopefully you'll learn a thing or two just like I did. This is Tech Down Under, featuring Event Workforce Group and their technology products, Rostify. Shannon, I'll start with you. You want to take us take us back to two humble sports enthusiasts in Geelong, uh, started started a business. Talk to us about the story and 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 where it came from, the idea itself, and and the growth.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us on mate. Pretty excited to be on your first podcast here. And I'm just then, gonna crack a so monster as well, awesome we're going enjoy it. Um, yeah, so the very beginnings was um, myself and my cousin, Bennett Merriman, um, studying sports management at Deakin Build up here in Melbourne. Realising the amount of students going through, like us at the time, struggling to get the experience. So a lecturer would say you need to get experience in the sports and events world to get a job but without necessarily telling you how or, or giving you a pathway to do so. And then also real, realizing that the events world had a lot of jobs going, but not necessarily going to the right people. Often people that were backpackers or saving for their next holiday, but if they didn't turn up, then what happened? What This sure. wasn't a motivation for them. So that was the early beginnings. And I guess the message hasn't changed. Placement with a purpose is what our talent side of the business is all about. So over the last eight, nine years, however long we've been running, of quickly become one of Australia's leading placement companies to the events industry. So I think in 2017, we staffed 1,200 events around Australia and have around 20,000 casual staff in our database, all of which that 19 to 26 year old demographic, um, both students and graduates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to note, and it's not always specifically just people that have to be studying events, it's people that are motivated to get into events because the reality is a lot of people go through uni without necessarily knowing what they want to get into and it's a journey for them to experience. It's still a journey things. for me too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm late 20s and still still trying to figure out what I want to do. So, yeah. I mean, you identified right then that, that there was a, a need for university students to gain experience. Yep. So you, you set up, um, you realised that events is a great way to gain experience to get into the sport industry. And so you, you created a business based on that. Now, talk us how then... The technology came into play. At what point did you realise that the technology would be beneficial?
1: Yeah, I mean, you just said then you're still on a journey. For us, we never thought we'd be in charge of a technology company when we started this thing as well. So it's a journey for everyone, I guess. Um, The technology side came in about four years ago. We discovered that as we were growing and doing events in Queensland and Perth that we needed to know more about these people than simply what they were calling and telling us over the phone and simple spreadsheets with names and numbers on them. Sure. Um, So I guess with that process in mind, we needed to streamline our administration processes and payroll and the time it was taking for us to execute each event was very costly when you look at it. And then secondly, and this is a big thing for our business, is that we started this business to give young Australians um, tangible benefits of working in events. And at the time, if we're honest, we're were lucky to give them a BCC email to say thank you, (laughs) um, often with the wrong first name at the top, and and that wasn't good enough. So we wanted to develop a portal um, where people could create their own journeys, um, where people could select the events that they wanted to get into. Um, They could track their experience, they could track their communications, get certificates for all the work they were doing. And I guess with those two ideas combined, that's where we thought, hey, there's something in this for us, mm-hmm. very selfishly for our own good, we needed to build this thing. And then it's, that's when the, um, the events industry found out about this system because we quickly discovered that managing large scale workforces was not a problem just for ourselves, but it was for the wider events industry around mm-hmm. the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And, now, and now you're coming pretty much the Workforce management solution for for major events. Uh, how many? What events? I mean, you worked on the Super Bowl the last two years. What yeah. other events are you?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's it's funny how quickly it scaled in that space yeah. because. Um, I guess the the amazing thing about it, and for any of your listeners that I guess are starting a business, you don't you don't create something and then try and sell it. It's more about creating something out of a real need. Mm. Um, the fact that we use this system every single day is a testament to itself that sure. it's we're practitioners that use this system and we developed it for our own needs, and now those own needs are being reflected in the events industry. So. Some other clients include um, the Commonwealth Games, currently, uh, mm-hmm. the Cricket World Cup 2019 we've just signed, um, the company that are running the Paris Marathon and the biggest events is through France, the Rugby Sevens World Cup coming up. Um, we have a really long list of great events and, and Fairfax events here in Australia, probably Australia's largest event management company mm-hmm. that we are using Rostify and, and Tough Mudder and, and now Spartan Race. So there's a oh, long list of different uh, people we're involved with um, and yeah, 2018 is gonna be a big year.
0: Now, Amy, you know the uh, head developer here pretty well. You've been pretty yes. good friends for a long time. Yep. Talk to us about his brain because he's a, <laughs> he, a wildly character. <laughs> yeah. but, how long have you got? he's an incredible asset to the team. And, and Shannon, you might interject here as well about how you guys, man, and Amy, talk a bit about um, Chris, yeah. the, h- how, how good of a developer he is.
2: Oh, he's amazing, he's such a a brilliant mind. He's also, as you said, he's a pretty wild character. Uh, He's very unique in nature, but no, we, we love him and he's just really the brains behind our technology. He's what drives the innovation, like he's always looking for something new and amazing that he can produce, that's going to help people. Mm. Um, But not only does he have, uh, I guess, the the brains behind actually developing the product, but he's also, in terms of the solution, he's come from an events background as well. So, I mean, most of us in the company have have an events background, so we understand what our Mm. clients and our workforces um, really need in terms of the technologies. And that's
0: a critical component of of technology, because you've been able to map out the whole events industry as such, um, and then being able to create a technology that just works perfectly with the event management system, so yeah. Shannon?
1: Well, I think um, two points on Chris, number one is I met Chris when I was 17, 18 years old. And I also
0: love the story that Shannon didn't know what a website was, barely knew what a website was. Absolutely useless, and I'm still (laughs) useless today, there's
1: there's no doubt about that um, in technology, but that's why Chris is around. So first one with Chris, I met him when I was 17, 18 years old, um, and when we started doing staffing, Chris was involved from day one, and I properly got to know Chris working a big day out in probably 2010, um, moving fences at 4.30am in the morning, we we're the only ones on site. I guess it goes to show that we're both pretty dedicated workers on site, our background is working events, um, hands on, so we see this stuff. And so it's incredible for Chris that he's such an events practitioner. Driving forklifts to for tough mud, and now, just recently for the Super Bowl and for the Cricket World Cup, he's actually becoming a consultant to these workforce experts. Mm-hmm. So not only does he have that expertise to build this system, which has been incredible, and we've just had Matt join us as well, a brilliant developer. But for Chris to have that expertise in both the the skill set to to execute such an incredible system that works all around the world, but then the personal side. To actually consult to these people mm. because now he's seen it all. Um, yeah. he's, he's been, he said he's been, and they love the way <laughs> love that he's so, such a, a, a solution driven person. It's rather black and white, it's, it's sort of we work to a solution here. So I just thought it was very relevant to bring that background that Chris yeah. is a very much an events person, but a brilliant yeah. developer. Yeah.
0: And and I guess that uh, um, brings us to our, our next point. I've got a lot of my friends who've given technology go and they've um, gone offshore and got an app created um you might have a few friends as well who have done this as well and (laughs) forked out five grand or whatever it is and got the app and it just it just doesn't work it just doesn't function well and you guys have obviously gone a different route by using your your networks and and obviously a great mate of yours shannon like what i mean that that in itself proves that having your networks is is key but what advice can you give to people that are thinking about going offshore or using existing networks
1: um Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I think a major one for us was that we're building this technology for ourselves, so we're gonna do it anyway. But if there's people out there that are building an app or a technology for someone else, so a new market, what I'd really suggest, because I've seen this not work, I've seen the flip side of this is that they go out, they invest five, 10 grand, whatever it is, to build an app, hoping that people will pay for it. Mm. You know, you may have a conversation with someone who says, I would bloody love that. That'd be awesome. And then you go away and you build, spend five, ten grand, especially for young people who are trying to do this. And that's what's so exciting. Yeah. Is you don't want to put yourself behind the eight ball investing all this coin. All I'd say is just do your research first. Understand that people will actually pay for your product. Mm. There's a big difference between paying for your product and liking your product. Mm. Um, So that's one bit of advice I'd say. The second thing about offshoring, um, maybe I'll, Go to Amy on that one.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I think the biggest thing with, um, I guess, with offshore development and what we found has really benefited us is actually having developers um, or a team who are building the product and building the platform that actually understand how it works and why it works. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so that's a big Correct. thing, you know, for Chris to really get why you know we, we've created it the way we have or for him to actually be the mind behind it and have that event background experience is key yep. whereas I think all too often somebody has a great idea really innovative really creative, but they probably haven't necessarily thought about you know how it's going to serve people mm. um, and whether or not it's actually going to solve people's problems yeah. um, and get into the world of who's going to be using yeah. that technology. Great and advice. I mean, yeah. So
0: essentially, just really understanding the industry itself is is just a huge, a huge advantage to building technology. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why I'm staying good mates with Karai, because she's, <laughs> she's in the process of learning how to code. There were a few other businesses that would offer um, event staffing mm-hmm. but what gave you guys a, is was technology a massive competitive advantage did you find as soon as you started putting rostify out there did you find that that was a big bonus or a big edge that got you more contracts
1: uh, good question i would say that the end result of the technology was what helped us get more contracts so uh, instead of us previously it was us saying hey karaya we want you to work this event Compared to Kariah selecting the events that she wanted to get involved with, therefore being more vot- motivated to work at those events, knowing that she's going to get something out of it. Mm. That was a big mindset change that we had early. So uh, ultimately, the, the technology, yes, it streamlined and reduced our costs in the back end, but it also gave us a better output of what the workforce were more empowered to do the work that they wanted to do. Um, I would say for the talent side of our business that the Technology will never change what our business is about with placement with a purpose. Yep, sure. We, uh, so the we, core uh, is always gonna be there. Correct, and yep. that's, that's, it's important to note that the technology will never change, I guess, what the core of your business is about, sure. no matter what client it is. Our massive point of difference in the Australian staffing market is that our staff are genuinely motivated about the work that they do. Mm. They're not doing this to save for a holiday or in between jobs. Um, and technology is never gonna change that.
0: Hi there, me again, hope you're enjoying Tech Down Under, we're just about halfway through the podcast, but what I thought I'd do is just reaffirm exactly what Shannon just mentioned because it was one of the biggest takeaways I got out of this conversation, and that is even with the addition of technology, it didn't change their core purpose. For me, I tend to come up with a lot of ideas that center around the technology itself, rather than really focusing on solving a problem and that's what they're doing so well and it's why their technology is so successful. So let's get back into the conversation now. You're listening to Tech Down Under with Event Workforce Group and their technology product Rostify. Cry, you're the client success manager. So you would deal with people of all ages, all demographics. How, how do you go about like dealing with someone who's a little bit older who doesn't quite have the now uh, the technologically and you, you're in it? tech company. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. how do you go about with dealing with those people?
3: Look, it's not easy and Shannon could probably, I guess, probably a have her back on that one. Yeah. Um, especially because I'm a younger person as well. It's hard when I'm dealing mm. with people who are my grandparents' age. <laughs> <for all laughs> um, they're quite stubborn people in, in fairness and they just want to keep doing the same thing that they've always done which is what mm. we get the feedback we get all the time that we'll just go back to this Rostefi is too hard, which yeah. is, isn't the case. They're just not open minded yeah. like younger people mm. are. Um, but I guess the good thing about this is that the EWG Academy is bringing up people who are going to be probably working with Rostify in the next few years. So it kind exactly. of helps, but it's almost like it's short term pain and then for long term yeah. gain um, for now, but it, it is tough. Um, even end users who are you know grandparents who just want to help volunteer they are getting used to the the end user portal as well Mm -hmm. but um, I think it's paying off we've had some great feedback from older people who are like oh this is awesome like it's better than getting it sent in the mail on a yeah, piece of paper. Of course. Um, which is what like some people do or still do if they don't have an email address. Jeez. So you yeah, have to deal with people who don't have computers and we have workarounds for all of that.
0: That's unbelievable. So you're dealing with people who are literally technologically illiterate yep. all the way through to, to everyday everyday app users and, and whatnot. And it would be the yeah. same, same from a sales perspective, Shannon. Like you'd be pitching to people that are who barely would use technology. How do you go with that?
1: Yeah, um, it's... Uh, it's something I've learned. Uh, every day is a new day. You're always learning. Um, you'd be kidding yourself to say you weren't. Um, and for me and Dom and Judd in the sales team here at EDOEG, we've quickly realized in the last 12 to 24 months that you every pitch is unique. Mm-hmm. You can't go in there with the same generic sprawl that you would, that you probably would have used to do. Um, everyone has their own individual reasons why they would have accepted your meeting. Mm. So for I guess for your audience, who may be people trying to start up, mm. is do not roll into the same, if you're presenting to a 60 year old CEO, who's the one, that the gatekeeper for the funds, who's actually gonna pay for this, mm. do not roll in with the same presentation to him as you would to the 25 year old female volunteer manager who wants to streamline the way that they're operating. Mm. Um, and i think you'll find that with trying to sell technology is that your first adapters your people that are interested in speaking to you will be those young people mm-hmm. that that know that there's a better way than spreadsheets where they've come into an organization that has been used to doing it for 35 years on spreadsheets or, or whatever it is if it's a crm if it's an app whatever it is it doesn't have to be rosify yeah. and so then the challenge is working almost you know a waterfall approach but you get that first contact and then you need to have a different pitch Relating more specifically to how this system will, when you're presenting to the CEO, how will this system save you money, reduce your overheads, increase the security of your database? Yeah. Where that isn't really going to grab the attention of the 25 year old event manager. They're talking about how do your volunteers get better retention? Yeah. How do they get a better experience? How do I save my time? It's, um, very so, interesting to pitch to different people.
0: So it's all about customising your pitch to a certain so, certain absolutely. audience. You'd be absolutely. silly. You'd be silly to go in with the same pitch every time. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you don't learn and don't don't get feedback. No. A lot like technology, getting yeah. the, getting the feedback and implementing change. I think. It's, um, I'd say even
3: like some people you can almost target really personal effects. Like sometimes volunteer managers and event managers working on large scale events, mm. they spend 12 hours at work and minimal time yeah. at home. So you can almost mm-hmm. say, hey, do you want to go spend more time with your partner at home? Rustify <laughs> yeah. can actually help you do that. Like, That's actually genius. It's, yeah, it doesn't have to Shannon actually, is just recruiting yeah. you across the south. <laughs> yeah, I learned from the best, I like the one <laughs> i <came too. laughs> I can't take the credit for that one.
0: Talk about going global. I mean, you've you've created a great a great technology. You tested it. You could talk to us a bit about how how you went about testing the technology initially in in Australia, and now, incredibly, you're over in US, UK, Bahamas. Where where else? Where else do you want to go? It can it can probably travel there with you. But it's a um, yeah. I'm in awe of what you guys have been able to, to to achieve. And um, I'm sure so many others would want to know how, because it's, it's awesome that you, you can say that you're over, overseas and yeah, spend a lot of time at airports, I'd imagine. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, a, it's so fundamental how we started in the US and so simple in a sense that, um, to give the very brief background of how we got to the US was um, when Tough Mudder came out to Australia early days. They were just launching out here We saw them as a humongous opportunity for our business to grow off such an expanding brand. So we put everything aside and put the tools and Bennett Bennett was effectively their volunteer manager. Um, I think he did it for free for probably a good six, 12 months. And so what we did was just give, give, give and provide value and I guess prove ourselves was Mm. the big thing. We weren't going in there going, we'll do this in return for this. We didn't, ex- no one should expect that, but yeah. like, we're nothing <laughs> compared to these big brands. So yeah. we wanted to, we're still early days, so you've just got to prove yourself. And we did that with Tough Mudder, built a great reputation with them. Um, and they trusted Bennett and myself as the business owners and Chris as well, yeah. that we could execute whatever they would ask for us. Yeah. And it was then that they went back to the US, it started really well in Australia and then it came time for the tender for their workforce management system for all their volunteers around the world. Um, and that tender came up and, and they were going out to a few other systems around the world and Andy, who we really looked after early days, gave us a call to say, hey, I remember you guys were building something back in the day. Um, you really looked after us early days. Would you like to be? In, would you be interested in looking at this for us? Mm. And the end scenario was that we had seventy percent of what they wanted. So there are other companies that probably had a hundred percent, but we, I guess, again, it came back to that trust thing of of we will build that last thirty percent for you. Um, we get to un- hold on to the blueprint of what that is and on un- sell yep. that to clients. But we're happy to build that for you. Yeah. And so they came out from New York. Um, and I know you said don't swear on the podcast, (laughs) but um, the first thing, we got up at 4am in the morning for the final call with them, and Andy said, you've got the contract, just don't fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the first thing, and we were freaking out. And I mean, we were freaking out, but Chris was freaking (laughs) out. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure, so um, I guess it's a testament to Chris to have got that done. Um, And it would just, to go back to your question, it's it's just about working hard and proving yourself compared to expecting that people will buy your product again. yeah sure um i think that even relates to the last thing i was saying about when you're developing and starting your business don't expect that people will just buy it mm. you need to prove yourself first yeah
0: great advice and and that's almost um would you call that an mvp in terms of minimum viable product is what you're doing with um, with yeah. Tough Mudder for the first year like yeah. it, it, and a lot of people are a bit unsure about how long you should spend in that phase like yeah. before you should be expecting to get revenue yeah. how long and the fact that you guys did it for free for 12 months is a yeah, testament to, to yeah. you guys but but also shows that you really do need to put in the work
1: yeah and it's, it's, it's funny It's um, as soon as they start paying for it you know that it better be right as well <laughs> because in the MVP stage if they're not paying for it and stuff stuffing up which Hey, it it does, and it did that. Hey, you you're working through it, and you it's learning. But I'd really recommend that you um you plan. You you don't just do this MVP time for. I mean, the planning process for 12, 18 months like that's gonna burn a hole in your hip pocket oh, and your time. Yeah. Don't undervalue your own time as well. Yeah. Um. So you need to plan and budget as to when this will become financially viable. I mean,
0: technology is really all about simplifying processes and and um, I guess saving people time. Ultimately, the best technologies out there do save people a lot of time. How do you go about identifying ways that the the platform itself could be simplified, yep. um, and then I guess managing managing that process?
2: Sure. So one of the things that we do, which I, I think is quite consistent across technology, um, is to make sure that they're listening to our users and to our clients um, mm. in terms of what they're actually looking for. Um, that's one of the biggest, I think, suicides that you can make is in not listening to what people are actually after yeah. and not responding to it as well. Mm. So we're very flexible in nature. We, we listen to people, we hear what they have to say. We constantly are asking for feedback. So our client success managers in Korea and Tony uh, in the US are constantly in communication mm. with our clients um, to find out what they what works, what doesn't work. And mm. I mean, the benefit of having an in-house development team is we can respond to that really quickly. Mm. So, you know, sometimes we get requests, you know, we've got a, an event manager, or a workforce manager who contacts us and says like, you know, it's hitting the fan, mm. um, we need this ready to go tomorrow. And we're just like, Great, we can do that. We can do um, that, and I think that's a real point of difference for us.
0: Absolutely, and you you alluded to earlier then that um, when you when you you can make the change. What, what tools or what are the best practices that people can use mm-hmm. to then help? I guess the development team make those yeah. changes as quick as possible. Cry, you might be able to answer this one as well.
3: Huh. Um, I guess we kind of use different tools for client success. Um, outgoing, I guess Mm. you'd say, um, compared to what we use in-house to almost communicate with Chris and Matt, our developers. Um, So I guess, Amy, maybe you
2: can touch on what we use in-house and I can touch on what we use Yeah, sure. So I mean, the most important thing is making sure that you, like I said, you know, you listen to to the feedback and you listen to what people are asking for. Mm. It's then actually making sure that the message is conveyed really clearly. And like you said, you know, having those um, tools in place to do that is really key. Mm. So for us, um, our communication, we have, I guess, a business process around what that looks like and the tools that really help us to do that. So we use JIRA, which is a project management tool, um, but it's also specifically designed for developers. Sure. Um, So built by developers, for developers and it works. So it means it's really easy to track the tasks that need to be done. What was that one? Jira. Jira. So Jira. I think it's a last <laughs> tool. Yeah. Jira. J-I-I. J-I-I. I
3: don't the It's <laughs> English language. Jira. Yeah.
2: But yeah, the communication tool is key. So we're a team. We're really close. We communicate constantly. We make sure that we're touching base daily in terms of workload and constantly tracking that. Um, and we use tools, which I think a lot of people are probably across in terms of Slack, which is a communication yeah. tool, um, you know, using task boards. And I think stuff you'd be like surprised. So I'm <laughs> taking notes of all these <laughs> programs. I there's
0: a, that Slack and what else was there? Slack Trello. Uh, yeah, so Trello. Slack task and Trello. Boards.
2: There's, a whole, I mean, there's a whole range. of them. I'm going right? to be a gun at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> is this even recording, mate? You're <laughs> <laughs> just listening. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You're doing a your business here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And Karai, you um, you obviously the customer service gun here. What what do you use to, I guess, get that feedback from a client and then deliver it to the team? Or how do you go about it?
3: Yeah, so two years ago when we started, or when I started here at EWG, we did everything in-house and tried to host it all on Rostify. Um, and although we are good at a lot of things, customer service like ticketing and getting responses, there's companies that do that really well. Mm. Um, So we use Zendesk, um, Mm -hmm. which is like a, it hosts all our support documentation online and then also provides where our clients can upload like a question or a query. Um, And we can respond via tickets back and forth, which just goes into the email inbox. So, that's a good one. Perfect. Um, And then we have things like JIRA and Bugherd, where we can basically post feature requests or issues that we're having with... So Bugherd. Bugherd is another one. my (laughs) Lord. Almost exactly as it sounds. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. It's where we can put a lot of debugging issues um, to communicate back and forth with our developers. So, I'm almost like the middleman between our clients and, and Chris and Matt. Yep. Um, if they have a feature request, if they have issues. Um, but I'm also obviously trying to become a Rostify expert at the same time. Yep. So uh, it's always, I, we're, we're always learning, I think, even from the top down.
0: And that brings an end to today's episode of Tech Down Under with Event Workforce Group and their technology product, Rostify. I hope you got a lot out of the conversation. I certainly did. Uh, a massive thanks to Event Workforce Group for giving up their time. Um, greatly appreciate it. If you want to keep tabs on what they're up to next, you can do so via linkedin just search for event workforce group and i myself if you've got any feedback on today's conversation i'd love to hear from you i'm on linkedin or you can find me on all other social media platforms at kyle underscore dundas and also if you know anyone in the innovation space who you think would be really interesting to talk to they might be working on a project at the moment that's uh, really innovative Let me know and uh, I'll get in touch. Once again, thanks for listening. My name's Kyle Dundas and you've been listening to Tech Down Under.